He's drunk, everyone. He is drunk on air right now. Welcome back to Royals Weekly. I am your host, Marcus Mead, and joining me as always, the best-selling author of He's Just Not That Into You, my brother Mike. Yeah, I'm a best-selling author, but this is what I do on Sunday nights. Just come hang out with you and do this podcast. That's that believable. That makes it sound like you do this podcast for monetary reasons. <laughs> well, that's if, not true either, but I'll tell you what, if I had money, <laughs> I think I'd have as if we're raking more stuff to do here. with my time if I had a bunch of money. Yeah, I guess. Uh, Anyway, welcome to the podcast. On this week's episode, we'll break down a losing but still competitive week from the Royals, discuss what we think the roster should look like going into 2024, and preview this week's slate of games. But first, a reminder to follow us on all the social medias, lots of social medias out there, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Mike is running our Threads account. It's going great over there on Threads. Threads is just a thriving heartbeat of America's (laughs) internal communication. Yeah, it's like an (laughs) empty cavern of wonderfulness actually because you can do whatever you want (laughs) (laughs) so yes go join mike as he starts a revolution over there on threads and overthrows mark zuckerberg in some capacity uh other than that follow me on twitter i'll fight you zuck yeah anywhere anytime you just write me a check for you know a fair amount a couple million bucks and we can go at it buddy I'll even let you win. I know that's what you really want. So go for it. Uh, Yeah, I got no pride or dignity or anything like that. Uh, Anyway, uh, I also want to let you know that Royals Weekly is brought to you by Knapp Family Wealth. Mike, can you think of anything more important than securing your financial future? Doing the stanky leg. You're still doing the stanky leg? I'll be buried doing the stanky leg, all right? (laughs) Me and Travis Kelsey. I'm guessing you'll be lost at sea, actually. That just seems like the way you're going to go. Yeah, he was tragically lost at sea. Uh, Securing your financial future is one of the most important steps someone can take for themselves and their family, and Nat Family Wealth is ready to help you pursue it. This isn't some big, faceless corporation we're talking about here. Knapp Family Wealth is run by J.C. Knapp. He's a huge baseball fan, and he's been helping people plan for their financial future for 20 years. He can help with retirement planning so you don't have to work until you're dead. He can help with education planning so your kids learn to read good, with investment management so you get all that money from out of your mattress and get it working for you. Don't spend another day thinking you've got it all figured out because, trust me, you don't. Check out Nap Family Wealth at NapFamilyWealth.com. That's K-N-A-P-P FamilyWealth.com. Security and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA slash SIPC. We'll start our review of last week with roster news, as is is tradition here. There wasn't that much of it, really. Uh, There's a a few key moves, though. Drew Waters went to the bereavement list. We obviously, uh, our condolences go out to him and his family for whatever loss uh, they they sustained. Uh, Hopefully, he's uh, dealing with that in whatever way is necessary. But he is now off the bereavement list as well. I I think I read today that he's coming off of it. Uh, But he did go on the bereavement list, and and the Royals brought up Nelson Velasquez to replace him and to have him play in the outfield. Velasquez, you'll remember, was just traded for. Uh, Jose Quas to the Cubs for Nelson Velasquez. Mike and I talked about this trade last week, and Mike was jumping out of his seat to dance on the grave of Jose Quas as a Royal, uh, and I and I was very happy with uh, Nelson Velasquez as a player. Mike, what do you think about uh, Waters to the bereavement list? Velasquez coming up. What are your thoughts on seeing Velasquez play for the first couple times? Well, you never want to see a guy have to go on the bereavement list, but um, you know it was good to see Velasquez come up. He had some success. He had two home runs while he's up. And the, I was going to do the beep, 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 update stuff because uh, Waters is back and Velasquez did not go back down. 
Um, they sent Edward Olivares down and what was a surprising move to me. Um, but I, after thinking about it, I'm like, smart. That's really smart because you know what you have in Edward Olivares. You still need to see more from uh, Nelson Velasquez. So, and Velasquez gives you more defensively. You His bat is still a question mark to me. He's had some, a, a small bit of success, but if he continues with what he's done, he's a much better player than Edward Olivares. Now, what sticks out to me is, then you probably should have traded Edward Olivares. <laughs> but um, it's good to have Waters back. It's good to have Velasquez also up here. Because let's be honest, those two are competing against each other for possibly the same spot. And so that's fun. Yeah, both guys competing each- for against each other for the same spot. Both guys with similar issues, right? They both have power. They both strike out too much. Now, Waters has played pretty well over the course of his last 100 plate appearances or so. Brought the strikeout rate down a little bit. Hitting for power. Having some offensive success. Obviously, Waters is a better defender than Velasquez. Uh, Waters is playing really well out in right field right now. Gunning guys. And then as as a right fielder, he just covers a ton of ground. Velasquez won't cover as much ground as Waters does. But Velasquez has some serious pop from the right side of the plate. And so, you know, you love to see a guy like him. Uh, up here having success right away. We'll see if that sticks over the long term. What I don't want to see from Velasquez is him sitting on the bench. And I hope he's not up here just to do that. You know, the Royals are a high rotation team, but Velasquez, they want to see, they want to see Waters. They want to see Melendez more as he's getting hot. The spots start to run out pretty quickly. I mean, I know it'll be rotational and everything, but that's why you saw Edward Olivares sent down. And I forgot to put that on the list because I wrote this outline early this morning before uh, Olivares got sent down. But yes, Edward Olivares did already did also get sent down to AAA. Um, do you have any thoughts on that, Mike? I know, I know your thought is that they should have traded him. I, people are going to have opinions on Olivares. A lot of the Royals fan base just does not like him, and I I'm don't not, know why I, he's. Yes, yeah, he can't field, but the guy yes. is reliable offense. He's reliable yeah. offense. like, And that's why it just baffles me that they couldn't find somebody to trade him to this year. You know, if, if he's a guy that you don't want to hang on to because he can't field or you feel like his potential is tapped and you need more, okay, that's fine. Trade him to somebody who's going to use him as a, as a you know, platoon guy and a DH and be okay with that and get something back for him. Even if it's a relief arm, we're going to talk a little bit here and I didn't even realize how dire that situation was till I took a deep dive today. You know, we need we're going to need relief arms, you know, next year. So, yeah, it, it's a little puzzling what they're doing with him. Um, but he had options. The steam the team still controls him technically for two more years, I think, after this one. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, he, but he's insta offense. He will give you offensive production. Yeah, and maybe their mind is in a place that's like, hey, we're unsettled in the outfield. Let's send Olivares down to AAA, work with him for a little while, see if we can't turn him into a an even more productive hitter. And then, you know, maybe he ends up making our outfield rotation because, you know, while Melendez is hot and Waters has been hot and Velasquez looks like he has potential, none of them are set in the outfield right now. None of them have really earned a position out there full time. And so, yeah, maybe they're like, yeah, Olivares is down in AAA right now, but that doesn't mean he's done in the outfield rotation for the Royals. I would have hoped that they would have traded him. Maybe they'll look to trade him this offseason. Not really sure, but we'll see. Uh, Zach Greinke, Royals legend and stalwart Zach Greinke, went to the 15-day injured list with right posterior uh, right posterior elbow soreness. That's a tough one for me to say. Right posterior <laughs> elbow soreness. Um, 15-day injured list for him. Mike, what are your thoughts on seeing Greinke go down for a couple of weeks is he done pitching for the Royals? I don't know. It's I doubt. I heard some people say that, but we'll uh, see. I doubt he's done. Done. This is Zach Greinke. He's not. I don't think he's okay going out the way that he did. I think he's going to come back. He's going to try and pitch at least a little bit, 
I think he's done after this year. I think he probably doesn't come back after this year. And that's perfectly fine. You have more than earned a great retirement, Zach Grinky. Happy to have you long-term in the Kansas City community if you're staying, um, which I, I, as I've heard, he is. Um, yeah, I great guy. I hate to see him go down like this. Um, you know, we want to look at some of those younger guys, but this is also why I'm more in favor of a six-man rotation. When he comes back, put him in there and get these guys an extra day of rest and still be able to see the marshes and the zerpas and the maybe cox again for a start and eventually maybe veneciano whoever like i'm fine with that six man rotation it up and stick zach grinky in there give him a chance to um end on a couple good ones yeah and then let zach grinky become one of the weird people who just hangs around the team like you know the, the royals have a lot of these guys who are like you know they they come to fantasy camp they, they still do all this pay george bread i think so they do they pay mike <laughs> sweeney they pay jeremy guthrie like let zach grinky be one of those guys he is the most interesting royal of the last what like 20 30 years and so like at least and so let him hang around the team i want him down at spring training every year i want him talking to pitchers i want him doing all the stuff that zach granke can do and sharing all the wisdom that he has if he wants to right if he doesn't i totally understand but the guy seems to love baseball to a large extent and so uh, hopefully that'll be a thing that that can occur i think he knows that his i mean he said it already his stuff isn't what it used to be and he's gonna have trouble getting guys out from now on but you know i'd love to see him come back and spin a couple gems before his season's over and then walk off into the sunset nice and slow uh but anyway zach granke 15 day injured list we'll hear more from that hopefully later uh other than that roster news is just some pitcher shufflings you know relievers down relievers up all that sort of thing taylor hearn was brought up he pitched once and was good and then he pitched once and he gave up a home run max castillo was just brought up he hasn't played yet but he was just brought up um to help fill that uh void that the royals have in the rotation right now jonathan heasley was optioned to omaha he has looked not very good as a reliever over the course of the last, I don't know, 10 innings he's pitched, something like that. Uh, Look it's been what a they disaster. did to my boy. <laughs> mm, Look what they did. They murdered my boy. They massacred my uh, boy. Heasley did this to him. He looked I don't terrible. Know what you're talking about. He looks terrible. <laughs> I don't know what you're oh talking about. Yeah, he looks real bad. It, it's uh, rough. Hopefully on the offseason he can work on something because it's not looking great for Jonathan Heasley right now. On the field, the Royals went two and four last week, which brings their overall record to thirty-eight and eighty-one. Woohoo! Can't get mm-hmm. can't do any better than five hundred now, guys. You can't do any better. <laughs> I don't win them all to get to five hundred. Rough, rough. Uh, despite the losing week, the Royals continued to look better as a team. I thought they dropped three of four to the Red Sox, but one of those was given to the Red Sox on a blown call by a first base umpire who apparently has no vision, doesn't know what's going on. Maybe he was checking out somebody in the stands or something. I, think he I don't was know. High what was going on for that one. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so yeah. And then, you know, uh, they, they ended up all three of the four games were re- that they lost were relatively close, except for maybe one. And then they split a two game series with the Cardinals after stopping them in game one, they nearly completed a comeback losing five to four in game two yesterday. Mike, how did you feel about the Royals performance last week? Man, Nolan Arenado is so good at third base. <laughs> that, well, that, yes. That and played no, in the honestly. game. You're like, Oh, that was really good, dude. And like, Mm. Yeah, it was. Um, but no, more competitive. Like those were, there were so many fun games to watch this week, like close games. And even in Boston, you're like, man, lost a couple that we probably could have had. Um, and then of course that they jump out to that huge lead in that Cardinal series, nine to nothing. And then their pitching lets them down a little bit, but they end up scoring more. It was just really fun, competitive baseball. Uh, the offense was insanely fun to watch. We had the second highest OPS last week as a team at 854 
only behind the Atlanta Braves. That's how that's how well we hit last week. And so that's so encouraging to see. That's the progress that we wanted to see. It's the offense that we thought we would see at the beginning of the year. And it's minus Vinny Pasquantino. Like I, I have to keep reminding myself that he's coming back and he's a big part of that. And so it was good to see still. This is the competitive baseball that we asked for. And honestly, the profile looks somewhat similar to how the Braves try and do it offensively too. The Braves walk more than the Royals do, but they're not walking like number one in the league. What they're doing is they're hitting for power, right? And so the the the, the Braves juice the ball, man. They they kill it. The Royals, that's what they've been doing lately too, honestly. Melendez is hitting for power. He hit three home runs in that Boston series. Uh, who else? Bobby Wood Jr. is obviously Bobby hitting Wood for power. You know, Michael Massey's juicing a couple balls here and there. You know, they're hitting the ball for extra base hits and for home runs. And it's it's you know, that's what's driving that high OPS because it's not like a high on base percentage is driving that bad boy. No, it's like they're out there hitting the ball hard, putting it in the play. They are doing something with their legs and stuff too, but yeah, it's been very solid baseball. Some stuff that uh, went against them a little bit this week, but overall it's a lot tighter. You see great infield defense from them. You see a great, you know, you've seen some decent pitching performances and you've seen like the coaching staff make some good decisions. And I'll talk about that here in a little bit uh, too, but we, uh, in, a, in a decent week for the Royals, uh, they had some strong performers. Mike, tell us about the guy really carrying this team in the second half so far. We got to throw Bobby Witt Jr. in there again. And I, I look, there were a lot of guys offensively that we could have picked this week. Salvador Perez had a, a really good week. Um, even Kyle Isbell had a really good week. I went with Bobby Witt Jr. because it looks like we are watching somebody become a superstar right in front of our eyes. He was eight for 24, three doubles, one home run, two walks, and two strikeouts. He, when was the last time you could say that about a Royal? Like we're watching him become a superstar, not a good player, not an all-star. He he looks like he's becoming a superstar. I, uh, George, George Carlos Beltran, Carlos George Beltran. Brett. Yeah. Carlos Maybe Beltran. Carlos Beltran. We're like, okay, he's going to be really, really good. I guess that Granky, if uh, you want to talk about pitchers. Yeah. Know, I'm talking hitters, but yeah, that, that, yeah, I get what you're saying, but man, he looks like the real M and F and deal. And I love it. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, he does look incredible. And, and it's one thing to to do it just offensively. He's doing it on defense. He's doing it on the bases. He, you know, in some ways, the rule changes have really just played right into his game. And now he's like, okay, well now, I mean, what do you, you saw the other day, he hits that squibber to the opposite field uh, in that nine, nothing game where they, where they got up nine, nothing on the Cardinals. He hits a squibber to the opposite field on the ground, legs out a single to first, Ends up stealing second or something. I can't remember exactly everything he did, but it was crazy. He's just using the speed, using his wheels, hitting the ball for power. Can't can't help but love what he's up to. I mean, the power he hits for is insane. Like every, if he's not hitting little infield grounder, like infield singles like that, he's putting it off the wall or over the wall. The guy hits the ball so hard consistently. It's awesome. It is. Another guy who's been hitting it hard consistently lately anyway MJ Melendez, and this is the guy every Royals coach, every Royals fan has to be like, yes, thank you, because he's the (laughs) one who really wasn't coming around. He was in the pits. He was in the darkest pit of all of the guys earlier in the year, and it's in part because they moved him off of catcher, and so now he has very little defensive value, and he's been statistically one of the worst outfielders in baseball. I think he can be better than that with some practice, but... It looked like, oh my gosh, is MJ Melendez going to be a completely unvaluable player, a useless? He's below, he was at least, I haven't checked recently, but he is below zero war 
And so he's negative war right now, or at least he was recently. Now he's gone a little bit of a stretch. Last week, he went nine for 22 with one double, three home runs, one walk and five strikeouts. Looks like he's born to hit in Fenway Park. This guy is just putting <laughs> yeah. him out everywhere there. It's crazy. Uh, but it's just so great to see him in a groove like he wasn't earlier in the year, laying off some high fastballs, hitting the ball the other way sometimes. Just, you know, finding that power, finding that launch angle that's going to allow him to put balls off the wall and over the wall. And he's, you know, he was such a corner. The idea was he was a cornerstone of this team offensively with Bobby Witt Jr., with Vinny Pasquantino, and maybe now with Michael Garcia. But without him, you saw how their offense just started, you know, awful. They were awful in the beginning of the year. And a large part of that was MJ Melendez just dragging it down. Now it's nice to see him just soaring recently. Uh, hopefully he can keep it up and, you know, end the year strong and then come back next year ready to start hitting from day one. It wasn't all sunshine and rainbows, as we know. As This is Royals we're talking about here. There, It's very rarely sunshine and rainbows. Uh, Mike, who is your weak performer for this week? I, I went with a guy that I actually I liked a lot, uh, Inhel Zerpa. Um, he went for well, – let's let's talk about the line from this week. Four and a third innings, five runs, four earned runs, one walk and two strikeouts. He was the bulk guy the day that – I think Coleman opened up for him that day, and then he became the bolt guy. Coleman's outing was a whole nother that was an bucket of worms. <laughs> Whoa. But Zerpa was – when he was coming up, well, first off, let's let's take this way back. Initially, the Royals put him on the 40 man and everybody was like, what? Like, why is he on the 40 man? I, I think it was maybe to protect him from the rule five, but people were like, why would you need to protect him? Nobody's going to take him. Um, but they put him on the 40 man a long time ago. And he's gotten like two years ago. He got like a start or two in Major League Baseball. And then he went back to double A like it's really weird. His his whole progression and development has been very weird. And it's been a situation where he actually had better command and kind of made his name on his command. And now, he, but his stuff was never elite. He was always going to need kind of elite command. And that just isn't what he has anymore. You know, it, it's he's come up to Major League Baseball. And although he's not walking a lot of guys, he's... He's not spotting the ball in places where he's going to be successful because he doesn't have big time uh, breaking stuff. He doesn't have a fastball that has either high velo or a really high spin rate or something like that. He's just a kind of very average guy who now also has average to maybe slightly above average command. And that's not going to cut it. So, you know, I want to see him continue the rest of this year starting in Major League Baseball or getting bulk uh, innings like this. But unless something changes, I don't know if I see him in the future of a Royals rotation. Yeah, the hype for Angel Zerpa, because he came up and, you know, made a couple of what looked like decent starts at the major league level was always way too insane, right? There were too many people who were like, oh, I believe, what about this guy Zerpa? What about this guy Zerpa? And I'm like, if you can't throw less than a six or a five ERA in double A, you're probably not going to make it right. Like the, you know, and so they were all just the hype train got going way too big on him too early. And that doesn't mean he can't ever be successful, but your characterization of him as like not having elite stuff is in itself overrated. Like he may not have yeah. average stuff honestly, yeah. right? He may not have average major league stuff. And so you're right. He either has to be a command guy or he's got to change his stuff. 
Okay. And so maybe in the off season, he does that. He's got a live arm. He's a lefty who's thrown, you know, 93 to 95 before, you know, that's not, that's not nothing, but they need to do something to give him some stuff. That's going to miss bats because this is 2023. The idea of like pitching to contact and being a command guy, that's a pretty rare notion these days. It's not that it can't be done, but you got to have stuff, you know, you got to have, have stuff. you got to have 70 grade command. If you're going to be doing if, that, like if it's got to be yeah. really good. Like, it's got to be insanely good. And th- then you've mm-hmm. got to still have at least slightly below average stuff, right? Like, because if you're not going to have 70 grade command or if you're going to have 70 grade command, you, you know, guys can still hit balls on the edges if they're not at all deceived, if they're not, if they have no yeah. movement or no velocity, like it's, it's not, that's, you know, hitters are good. <laughs> You know, pitchers are good right now too, but hitters are really good too. And so, you know, you gotta, you gotta come with something more than, you know, below average stuff and below average commander. You're you're just never going to make it. You know, Uh, a guy we know who has above average stuff. That's Carlos Hernandez. He's my week performer for this week. Not a good week for him. It's weird. The trade deadline came and went. Everybody was talking about Carlos Hernandez. I was saying, trade him, trade him. Everybody else was like, no, hang on to him because he's good. And all that. I was like, you trade relievers. Uh, and now he's showing why you trade relievers. Uh, he, two innings pitched. He's got four earned runs last week. He gave up three hits, one home run. And here's the concerning part. Three walks and three strikeouts in those two innings pitched. Three walks is just too many in two innings. Um, so yeah, it was a rough week for him. I don't think it's like, hugely damaging. He'll be fine. He still throws a hundred, but man, I really wish they would have traded him. That's just, I, the, 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 the fright in me is that, you know, that Velo is going to go down or the league's going to figure him out a little bit. And then it's like, where is he? You know, we got to, maybe he starts walking people again or something. Uh, we'll see, but hopefully he can get back on top of his game, turn some things around, uh, next week. I think he'll be fine ultimately, but we'll see. Mike, in a week where they went two and four, but looked pretty good, what what kind of theme are you coming up with? Well, I, I heard a lot of my, my theme for this week is banking on potential because I heard a lot of people on social media talking about, you know, who are the guys that are for sure part of the core of this team now? Because it looks like maybe Michael Massey is, has maybe turned a corner. It looks like MJ Melendez might turn a corner. looks like Michael Garcia is a guy you can count on and Bobby Witt Jr., and so they're kind of debating who are the guys that are going to be sticking with this. Well, a lot of the guys that people are talking about are still guys that have more potential than what they're showing now, which is somewhat exciting. You know, I look at Cole Reagan's Cole Reagan's start this week. Wasn't as good as his previous two. Uh, his command was a little bit shaky. He got behind in counts a lot, but he still kept him in a game. Like that was a competent start, even though he didn't have his best command. That's what you want to see. That, that, that means that's huge to me. You know, Michael Massey going to, to Boston and, and showing a little bit of power and MJ Melendez showing a little bit of power. That stuff is huge to me. Uh, I'm really excited to see what Drew Waters does this week because he, before he went on the bereavement list, he was doing a lot better. So we're banking on a lot of potential and sometimes that can be dangerous, but I think we've seen these guys take meaningful steps forward and that's exciting. I just wanted to look up some Michael Massey stats really quick because I think this needs to be appreciated that since uh, the start of May, his strikeout rate is down to 17.8% and his walk rate is doubled to 18.1% or to 8.1%. That is, sorry, 8.1%. That is, that is so huge. much better than what he was doing previously. It's insane. Now, granted, and, he had an historically bad April. Right, like, right. 
It was awful. Yeah. Uh, March, April <laughs> were really, really bad for him. But if you look even more recently, like that's all the way back to the start of May. If you look like the start of July, I saw something that saw, looked like in the more recent times, his, his walk rate was all the way up to 10%. And it's like, if, if he's going to walk at 10% and hit the way that he can with the hit tool that he has, he has the potential to be a 110, 115 weighted runs created plus guy. And so, yeah, that there is potential and there. The There's defense has looked really good, and too. The defense has looked amazing. Great job from him on the defensive side. Because, I, honestly, I want my second base position to be a little bit offensive. I don't I don't want it to be like, well, he's got Me a too. slick glove so he can hit with a 90 rated runs created plus. He really, I don't want that. I, I need a second baseman who can hit. And so, hopefully, that can be the case for him. He, he's been looking great over the last couple months. My theme for this week is coaching goes a long way. And here's why Uh, the the game again, second game against the Cardinals is a perfect example of coaching going a long way. The Royals coaching staff has done a lot over the course of the last, definitely last week to make the team competitive in games that you wouldn't necessarily have thought they would be competitive in. So they'll go out and yeah, they have a terrible bullpen right now. It's garbage. Oh and yet God. somehow so bad. they're still finding like some matchups that work. They're sequencing bullpen uh, relievers really well in ways that work. They're being creative with things like openers, like that Marsh outing. They had an opener. They had two openers. They opened with Cox mm-hmm. and then Hearn and then Marsh. And it's like, you know, they're doing things to try and be creative with this pitching staff, which is really depleted right now. Either Well, depleted and just lacking talent. And so uh, kudos to them. Coaching is going a long way right now, not just in terms of helping players make progress, which of course they have done, uh, I would say, a very commendable job of, especially look offensively. People were talking, should we fire Alex Zumwalt? Now they're like, oh wait, Melendez has turned it around. Isbell has turned it around. Massey has turned it around. And Bobby Wood Jr. looks like he's going to be, you know, an MVP candidate, you know, like, and so, you know, the coaching has done a lot in the player improvement front, which is the most important front. But I would also give a hand to Matt Quatrero and, and Brian Sweeney and Alex Zumwalt for doing the things like understanding how to deploy guys a lot better. They are just getting so much more value from the tail end of this roster. It is incredible to me. And it's keeping this team a lot more competitive than it has been in the past. Yeah, I agree with that completely. Uh, if you are putting a guy like Whitgren in situations where he can be successful, you're doing a great job. Because let's be honest, that guy... I mean, he's having success if you look at the numbers, but he's not, he's nothing. He's a replacement level reliever. MacArthur, same thing, you know, we've, and you can go down the line cause there's a lot more than that. Um, and yeah, the fact that we're still getting value out of guys like Blanco is coming in and helping Blanco, guys like Samad Taylor, Taylor at times, Duffy, you know, it's Duffy. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I agreed. I, I can't say that. There were a lot of people who were pissed at Matt Quatrero at the beginning of the year when the team was doing quite poorly. You cannot be mad with the effort that he's put in the last month or so because it's been really good. Really good. Royals Weekly is brought to you by All In Physical Therapy. For one-on-one personalized physical therapy, we choose All In Physical Therapy. They took excellent care of our mother after surgery left her with pain and limited mobility in her arm. She loves to work out, be active. The woman doesn't own a hammer because she owns two fists. Yeah. The excellent specialized care she got at All In Physical Therapy had her back to being active in no time. Doesn't own a saw either. Just snaps the boards in half. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She basically invented the Cobra Kai. Uh, all, mm-hmm. all In Physical Therapy knows how to help athletes recover. It's owned and operated by Lee Summit's own Tommy Freevert, a former Arena League football player, Northwest Missouri State Bearcat, and a hell of a guy. They have offices in both Blue Springs and Lee Summit, so get over there to work with Tommy. 
Tell your doctor you want to do your physical therapy with the best of the best at All In Physical Therapy. To learn more, give them a call at 816-427-5300. That's 816-427-5300. Or visit their website at allin-pt.com. That's A-L-L-I-N-PT.com. We've got about a month and a half worth of baseball left to play, and we should learn more about who is poised to be a contributor in 2024 and who isn't. But some guys have started to show that they deserve serious consideration for spots in 2024. So Mike and I want to start a conversation about what the Royals should look like next season. Who should be a lock on the roster? Who needs to be added this offseason? Who still needs more time to prove themselves at the major league level? All questions we'll tackle in today's spotlight segment. And we'll start with the starting pitching. Mike, of the starters on the 40-man roster right now, who do you think deserves to be a lock for the rotation next season? I only think two guys are a for sure lock and that's Singer and Reagans. Now, because you have to fill five spots, of course, it's likely that Lyles becomes or is still there unless they decide to trade him, which I don't think they'll be able to do. Um, but I think really Singer and Reagans are the only ones who have earned a spot. Let me put it that way. They're the only ones who have really earned a spot in that rotation next year. And after that, everybody else has to prove something. Yeah, you mentioned it. Lyles is probably going to be a starter next year. Like, I I mean, 95% chance. There's no way they can move him. Nobody's going to like that contract. There's no way they're going to go out and, like, sign three or four free agent starting yeah. pitchers. So, you know, they just... The they, only way is a swing roll. No. And then they would still have to fill those other three. So, yeah. I mean, how do you get, just, how do you just, get three more guys? They just don't have the <laughs> internal depth in that way. And so yeah. Lyles will probably get a rotation spot, at least to start next year. And then we'll go from there, I'm sure. But yeah, he Singer, Reagans both feel like they've earned the spots. Reagans has looked really good in his few starts so far. Singer has looked really good over the course of the last month and a half or so. Both guys look like, yeah, they're not both number ones right now. Reagans looks like he has maybe the potential if he ticks up a little bit in his command. Singer looks like a solid 3-4 guy. They both look like locks in the rotation. Lyles looks like a guy who's going to be a lock by basically the necessity of his contract. But we'll see on that one. Um, Nobody knows the future, so who knows? So, Mike, what starters in the organization do you think deserve more time to prove themselves? Well, I've got Marsh down there. Okay. Lynch. Zerpa. And I threw Austin Cox in there. No. I don't think he's a starter. But if you're looking for guys... Maybe put him in as like a bulk guy. And then you're like, Hey, if he doesn't work out as a starter or we realize he's going, you know, he's going an inning or two fine, but can't, can't go three or four. Okay. Then he becomes your long guy. Cause I think there is value to an Austin Cox in a bullpen. I just don't think he's good enough to be a starter, but he hasn't had all that many chances to start either. So I would be okay if they, you know, give him a couple more chances starting a game. I am completely fine with that because he has shown the ability to get guys out. We just haven't seen it in a starting role yet. So those are the four guys I think still deserve more time or still more of a look. I did not put Jonathan Boland's name in there because he's not, or he is on the 40 man, but he hasn't pitched at all in major league baseball yet. So I didn't, I didn't throw him in there, but he also deserves a look at some point and Veneziano obviously as well, but the guys who are, have, have pitched in major league baseball, Marsh, Lynch, Zerpa, and Cox, all of them need to get looks at the end of the season. Will you do me a favor and stop just like stealing the points that I'm about to make? Because oh, you man, just did it on the last question. You just did it on this question. Get your head out of your ass, please. Okay. It wasn't so, filled in, man. Fill your stuff in. I don't here, know what to tell you. 
No, it is filled in. It, it look just use your eyes. It's filled it in. It wasn't right when there. I filled it in, is what I'm saying. It was when you filled it in, is what I'm saying. But anyway, oh really? I, I digress. Yes, he's <laughs> drunk. Everyone, he is drunk on air right now. Um. Anyway, I'm of the mind that Cox probably doesn't belong in the starting rotation. But what they can do is have him work on stuff in this off season, stretch him out as a starter in spring training, give him some starts, give him a chance to work multiple innings, like lots of innings. And then see what he's got, right? Like that doesn't hurt anything, right? Yeah, he may ultimately still end up in a swing role. He may ultimately still up as a multi-inning reliever. We know he can do that pretty well. We're pretty sure he's done a pretty good job of that this season. And so that's secure. But you're right. They don't have like enough locks in the starting rotation to be like, oh, we don't need an Austin Cox. We're good. No, <laughs> the notion of them ever saying like, we're good in the starting rotation. No, no. Like you need to be seeing anybody who even has a chance to be able to get major leaguers out for five, six innings. And so maybe Cox there. I did put down Anthony Veneziano as somebody who I think has uh, earned the right to see if he can be successful in major league baseball. Why you put Veneziano on there and not Bolin? Is Veneziano even on the 40 man? Uh, no, he's not. But Bolin hasn't earned a trip to Major League Baseball yet. He's not succeeded at AAA yet. And so, no, I'm I'm perfectly comfortable with Bolin does not get a look uh, that much next year. Veneziano this has thing earned says, it this year. Of the starters on the 40 man right now. That's what it says. Well, you know what? I, I, I created the rules, so I get to break the rules. Okay, <laughs> deal with it. Um, Anthony Veneziano deserves a start. This year, I think I agree. he deserves a, a chance to start one or twi- two times this year because he has been dealing in AAA and he's a guy who has some potential. And so give him a crack at the starting rotation. And then next year, tell, say, hey, it's an open competition. If you win this job in spring training, you will be in the starting rotation to start next year. I also think we shouldn't forget about Chris Bubich. I know he's, you know, down with the UCL thing and he's gotten Tommy John and they're going to have to like basically really manage his inning load next year. But don't forget that he was very effective for the few starts he had earlier in this year, and he is still on this team. And so he's another guy who deserves some time to see what he's got um, and if he can be a part of the rotation's future. With that in mind, Mike, you see two locks for the rotation, a few guys who deserve more looks. Do you think the Royals need to add from outside the organization? I do. Yeah, probably two guys. I'm having flashbacks to before last offseason. Yeah, I know. That's, I, that, I think it is literally what I said when you asked me this question before the end of the season last year. Um, probably two guys. I would like, you know, one free agent better than Lyles. Okay. A lot of people have been floating the idea of somebody from Noah Syndergaard. Uh, Japan. <laughs> please, dear God, no. Japan or Korea, something like that. Okay. I'm fine with any of those things. Um, I would like to see one guy like free agent sign. And then another guy, possibly a trade where it's like a, maybe you trade Salvador Perez and you get somebody who's close to major league ready, who may not start the year in your major league rotation, but at some point uh, gets into your major league rotation during next year. I would be completely fine if they do it that way. Um, actually, I think that's a, probably the best way to do it, if I'm being honest with you, but they need two more guys to start this off season. Yeah, I, I'm not sure they're going to go try and get two guys. I think that's the right way to do it. Maybe is via trade and then via, you know, signing a free agent. Now I have to think about like, what kind of free agents will they be targeting? They're not going after Sonny gray. Obviously they're not going after Shohei Otani, right? Like, and I don't think they'll really play for the major, major, or major Japanese pitchers that are on the, on the docket for this year. That's, that's a lot of money. It costs a lot of money to buy a Japanese pitcher. You have to pay them in free agency. So you have to pay their contracts. You also have to pay the team you're buying them from. And so 
it's really tough um, to sort of play against the big, big money teams for that. But we'll see on that. Uh, some, some, some starters I like for them guys who are kind of more mid rotation back rotation guys. I'm going to put Aaron Nola on there. Cause he hasn't had a great season this year. He's been roughly major league average. And so he's a guy you might think about, but I think who would have a bunch of success in Kaufman, much bigger stadium than they have there in Philadelphia, which is kind of like a launching pad as we saw the other day when we lit Aaron Nola up for quite a few runs. Uh, <laughs> Kyle Gibson is another guy who I think it would be happy to get out of Baltimore where it's a little bit more hitter friendly and a guy you could maybe compete for financially. Frankie Montas might be out of their range in terms of financials, but any three of these guys, any three of these guys would be like your big ticket pitcher. And then maybe you go get a reclamation project or well, Montas or is a reclamation project, man. No, he's not. He's been hurt he's all year. Hasn't he? Well. No, he hasn't. Yeah, he uh, does. Don't make me make you look silly. Uh, as is typically the case. Uh, Frankie Montas. May have been hurt all year. I'm not sure. <laughs> yes, he was in fact hurt all season. So he's your reclamation project. There you go. Okay, uh, Mark, don't make me prove you wrong. Who's drunk? Who's drunk? <laughs> not drunk enough. <laughs> Say that. You sound, you sound so much like Randy Marsh right now. Who's drunk with America? Yeah, that's you. Uh, <laughs> you're basically pr- Randy Marsh. I aspire to be Randy Marsh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Any one of those guys, reclamation project or otherwise, might be an interesting pick for the Royals. The thing is, the starting pitching pool in free agency this year sucks. Like, yeah, it's bad. I saw that. And mm. so, you know, it's not a great year to want starting pitching. You're going to overpay for mediocre guys. And so it's like, ugh, that's not a lovely route for them, but it might be one that makes sense. We'll see. Let's move on to the bullpen. We're taking too long already. Mike, who are your locks for the bullpen moving into 2024? Um,. This was rough. If you want a horror show, go look at the 40 man and look at the bullpen arms on it. Woof. Um, Hernandez, Taylor Clark, and I put Whitgren, maybe. Um, there are not. I don't a know lot. why you think Whitgren has been like a superstar. He is not. He's not. He's been that's okay. The thing. He Lately. hasn't. He's been okay. And there's spots to fill. That's, that's, that's the only thing I put. Like I didn't put Cox in there because I put him in the starting one. And so it was like, well, what, who else is in there? I mean, you know? Yeah, yeah and honestly, that's, that's all. But bullpens are the last thing you should make good before you're about to start competing. And they have guys who they want to see, obviously, you know, guys in AAA and guys in AA who might be some bullpen arms to them. We'll talk about them here in a second. But I have Hernandez, Cox, and Clark just because I do put Clark or Cox in the bullpen, because I know he can be successful doing that, or I'm at least pretty confident he can be success doing successful doing that. Clark hasn't been great this year, has been a little bit better lately. He's probably going to have a job in there. Hernandez is the only one you look at and you say like, all right, that guy's an effective reliever and he's going to, he's going to be in the bullpen next year. So yeah, it's not super pretty for the bullpen uh, in 2024. So with that in mind, Mike, who needs to prove themselves or deserves more time to prove themselves? Yeah, I went ahead and threw Zerpa in this group as well. Just the, the only issue is him and Cox probably fill a similar role. So both having both of them isn't really necessary. Uh, I put Coleman on there, uh, even though I think the issues with Coleman are going to take a full offseason. Um, Taylor Hearn is going to get a lot of run here at the end of the year. Be interesting to see what he has. And I put Max Castillo on there because I'm hoping – that him out of the bullpen can be a thing. Although I'm not sure if he's got the kind of stuff that makes him a successful bullpen arm, but 
you got to try him in there at least. Yeah, uh, Coleman, uh, my, my list is Coleman, Hearn, Will Klein, Jake Brents. Don't forget he's still on this team. I saw and that. Tucker Davidson. Yeah, yeah. So when is Brents? I, I, th- I never heard what the injury was with him. Oh, I forget now. Uh, it's been a while since. I think it might not even be just one. I'm, I'm not entirely sure. And so we'll hear. We'll, I'm not paying attention to that mm-hmm. until he's ready to come back. Um, but Coleman, obvious issues. We've talked about those. Guy needs to get his control under, needs to work on his mechanics, get his velocity back. Hearn is a guy who interests me because he's left-handed. He throws pretty hard. We've seen him have some success. I mean, he's only pitched two innings for the Royals, I think, but one of them looked like a pretty solid inning, and the other one he just gave up a home run. So, you know, the guy clearly has the ability to to have stuff, and so that's interesting. Will Klein is a guy down in AAA who's, you know, throws really hard, has had success at the minor league level to some degree, hasn't been lights out in AAA, but he's had good moments. And then Brents is a guy we've seen have a successful major league year relieving for the Royals. And so you know that the stuff is in there if he can come back healthy. I put Tucker Davidson on here as well, just because he's only 27. He's had a DC. He's got like a decent FIP right now. Uh, and so you wonder like, okay, can he strike guys out? Can he walk for uh, just a few guys? Uh, and, and maybe he can find something if they, if they, if they like what they see from him, they can maybe maximize some of his potential. So we'll see a little bit more from him. Won't take that much more from him to know like, yeah, he's going to make it or he's not like, we're going to see him yeah. for another 10 innings and we'll know pretty much. Count me um, as very skeptical of him. Right. I, 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 your skepticism was registered immediately. Uh, should the Royals add bullpen this off season, Mike, since we're looking like we don't have a bunch of locks there. Probably. Um, but the thing is, I don't want them acquiring relievers to impede their ability to go out and get a starter. And so I think you have to be looking at, uh, like low end free agency guys that get cut by other teams reclamation bullpen guys because bullpen you know they're very volatile so you're looking for guys like you were for Aroldis Chapman this year like guys that hey last year he took his velocity took a huge dip but he's been a good reliever in the past let's bring him in here on a one-year deal those are the kind of guys you're looking for in the offseason to kind of uh, patch together a, a, a bullpen that can be okay we don't have the arms in minor league baseball to come up and fix the bullpen problem um, actually outside will Klein, are you, can you think of anybody else that John McMillan and the whammer, um, the whammer, where is he? Double a yeah. now he's in double a okay. right now. Killing guys. Okay. And, uh, yeah. So yeah, he's the type of guy who, uh, I hope gets a shot at the major league bullpen in 2024. Uh, big time stuff from him looks great in the minor league so far. Uh, they have some other guys. Christian Chamberlain looked pretty good this year until he went to AAA and he's kind of falling apart there. So Dante Biasi is another guy. Uh, not uh, Who's who's the guy I'm thinking of? He's a GM son. Jonah DePoto has at times looked like he's had his good stuff. And so maybe they got some guys in the minor leagues, but I think you're right. They really got to go with uh, some, they got to be scouring places to find some hidden gems in the relief market. Like they found Brent's an independent ball, I think. Rule five. So to a minor league that or was it no no I, i'm sorry i'm five. saying they could be looking at the rule oh, five draft they, oh they should be all over the rule <laughs> five draft okay they should be the stars of the rule five draft i would love it if they'd take two relievers in the rule five draft that'd be great right because honestly they got a handful of dudes filling 40 man spots on their in their bullpen right now who have no business being on major league contracts cut them 
go out and sign minor league contract dudes who are the exact same as them. Okay. And so, but take a couple dudes in the rule five and say, come be relievers for us. We'll maximize whatever two pitches you can throw. Come do it. Right. And, and they should be looking not just at relievers in the minor leagues. They should be looking at starters in the minor leagues. They project as relievers in the rule five draft. Hugely huge opportunity for them this year. It was a huge opportunity for them last year and they passed it up. That's another place they need to be looking for hidden gems. They need to be looking for hidden gems in independent ball. They need to be scouring to find good relief value because guess what? Even if they're not competitive next year, whoop, flip those. Araldus Chapman all over again. We get more value, yeah. right? Hopefully they're interested in doing that. We'll see if that ends up being the case. Let's move on to the thing that everybody wants to talk about, the lineup. We've seen some of the Royals hitters turn it on over the last month or so. Mike, who do you think has earned lock status in this lineup? Okay, well, Salvador Perez has obviously earned lock status. However, right. I think the most prudent move would be for them to trade him over the winter at the winter meetings or whatever. Um, because I think they can go out and get pitching talent that they so desperately need. We have Freddie Fermin. He seems to be at least good enough. I don't know if he replaces a Salvador Perez long-term, but he's good enough. And then we've got other catching depth. It's actually one of the only position groups. We have some decent depth at in the minors too. And so I'm okay moving him if we need to. Vinny is a lock. Bobby Witt Jr. is a lock. Uh, Michael Garcia. I put Fermin in as a lock and Michael Massey as a lock. Okay. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Tell me if there's somebody I'm missing. No, I agree with that. I'm going to say something that's slightly controversial here. Well, I agree with you that I would love to see Salva get moved. I disagree. I, I think, so let's be honest here. Fermin has been better than Salvador Perez this year. He has. Like, like, that, that is a, that is a, um, almost a quantifiable fact. And so he's been better than, so I'm, I'm perfectly fine with Salvador Perez being moved and, you know, getting what we can for him and then letting Fermin take over as the everyday catcher. The one thing I'll question, and I'm not saying he's not a lock because he is on this team, but I think people are a little bit overinflating Michael Garcia's value. Uh, just a touch because, how do I say this? His complete lack of power means that his 286 average or whatever it is, isn't going that far. Uh, <laughs> yes, he plays great defense at third, but third isn't a real premium defensive position. And so it's like, you know, yes, he's a lock, but because the Royals don't have a better option really, but I don't know. He's the type of dude who, uh, and, and Alex Duvall of Royals Farm Report has floated this, a really bold team would look to trade Michael Garcia to a team that needs a shortstop, right? Because right now he has more value to a team as a shortstop than he does to the Royals as a third baseman. Yeah. It's one of those rare times. Usually the Royal, they have more value to the Royals than they do another team, but this is the, the reverse of that. A lot of teams out there would love to get Garcia playing, you know, near gold glove or gold glove shortstop. And, you know, with a three thirty to three forty on base for them, uh, they would love that. But right now for the Royals, he's, you know, kind of a, weak hitting third baseman, which is not usually what you're looking for. Just going to throw that out there. Doesn't mean he's not a lock. Still think he's a lock for the team, but I might look to be bold and trade him. Mike, who deserves more time to prove themselves in this lineup? They seemingly have a lot of guys who have not yet proven themselves. Yeah. I, I still think Melendez has to do a little bit more to prove himself to be a lock. Although I don't think the Royals, even if he, if, even if he shits his pants for the rest of the year, I don't think the Royals are giving up on him or anything. 
Um, but they should get him a towel, though. I mean, <laughs> at least be nice about it. Um, oh, some ew. wet wipes. <laughs> Every man should carry those at all times as an adult. Um, Velasquez, Nelson Velasquez needs, you know, more at bats to prove that he can be a guy that sticks in Major League Baseball. Kyle Isbell's kind of the big one. <laughs> He's kind of the one that we're like a kind of time to, you know, shit or get off the pot. Like, that dude, he, that dude does pirouettes on the fence. He's like, Ooh. yeah, I know. He's, 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 he's been standing on it for so long now. But um, like, yeah, he's the guy that really has to show something in this next half. Or we have to start thinking about what are our options in center field? Is is Drew Waters? He's another guy. He's another guy I have on my list here. He's got to continue to prove himself. Will one of those guys show up enough? And can Waters, if, if, if Isabel doesn't, can Waters play a, a good enough center field to stay in Major League Baseball and to be as good as the Royals wanted to be. I don't know. I also have Blanco on this list, and I just put him there because I feel like you're saying, is he going to continue to contribute enough to be a fourth outfielder? That is his ceiling to me. Um, The other two guys I put on here, one is Samad, Samad the God. Samad the God. I'm going to stick with you on that, even though I don't Stick with me. Um, He needs to hit a little bit more. Some of the God needs to hit more in major league baseball to stay in major league baseball. The other guy I have, and this is the guy that's so weird right now, Nick Prado, Nick Prado. What, what are we, what are we going to do with Nick Prado? When Vinny Pasquantino comes back, especially if Salvador Perez stays on the team, what do you, what do you do with him? He's, he's, what he's shown so far is that he's a light hitting first baseman who strikes out too much. That's not Major League Baseball. You can't stay in Major League Baseball doing that. However, in Minor League Baseball, at times, he has shown himself to be a power-hitting, gold-glove caliber first baseman who strikes out too much. <laughs> and so I, I just don't, don't trust know. that gold-glove caliber stuff. Okay, first he off, it's a, first base. It doesn't really matter if I know, you're gold-glove I know caliber. it doesn't, but he is a damn good first baseman. He is a good no, first baseman. No, he isn't. No, no, he's not. Right. Yes, and I yes. have the numbers to prove it. You right? told me the same so, thing about Massey at the beginning of the year. I don't want to hear it. No, here's the thing. The difference is right. Massey was not making a, well, he was making too many mistakes, but the thing about Prado is his whole minor league career has been the same defensively. Anyway, good athlete around the bag picks it pretty well but makes a lot of mistakes, makes actual errors. Now, maybe over time he cleans that up. And then yes, then he will be a gold glove caliber first baseman. Right now he isn't, but here's another thing. It doesn't matter if he is. I agree with that. First base defense is meaningless. I agree. So, and so it doesn't really matter if he's a gold glove first baseman. He's the one who scares me the most of the group that you've just pointed out. Like, I agree with you on all of them. They all deserve more time to prove themselves, but Prado I just don't see how you unsquare that circle. If you know what I'm talking about, the too many strikeouts, not enough power. It's not like drew waters, drew waters hits for power, right? More power than Nick Prado. I don't know how you're going to square the circle of bring his strikeouts down and also have him hit for more power. It's really tough because it's a hit tool issue. It's also just like a, how you impact the ball issue. There's just so many issues going on that create the problem that he's got. And I just don't know how he gets out of it. We'll see. May not be an issue because they might have Salvador Perez playing over there, but they also got guys like Devin Mann who might be able to play first base now. And that's, you know, they got other yeah. guys 
who can play for Logan Porter plays first base. They got other options at first base, uh, you know, and so we'll see, you know, that's all I can really say. Honestly, they might even try someone like Velasquez at first base if it comes to it, because they're like, well, we got a lot of outfielders we like, you know, we like Isabel in center. We like Waters in right. We like Melinda's in left. Hey, guess what, Velasquez? You're going to play first base for us, or you're going to DH and play first base some, you know, you know, that might be an option too, honestly. Uh, do the Royals end up adding any hitters this offseason, Mike? Well, and that's the thing. Like, I feel like even though that is seemingly the strength of the team, that they could still add there and be okay. The problem is I don't want that addition to impact them going after a starter because, you know, there's finite money, right? And if you say, hey, I'm, we're going to go out and get this guy, even if it's something like a reclamation where you're like, we're going to go out and get this reclamation hitter, and that means we can't spend on pitchers, that's a problem. Or some people might say you double down and go, play to your strengths. We can't find a starting pitcher that we like or that is willing to come here for the money that we have. Okay, we're going to add the best hitter, you know, the Nelson Cruz at the end of his career or the, you know, whatever, the Kenderson Morales at the end of his career like the Royals did in in 14 and 15. Uh, You know, go get a guy like that if you can't bring in the starting pitching help and hope that you have a top five offense. Yeah, I'm thinking mostly reclamations uh, for the offense, like Matt Duffy was this year, like bringing some guys who maybe can recoup some value and you move them or who are just going to be role players for you. But it, that's if they keep Sally. If they move Sally, if they trade him, then I'd be okay with them doing something like signing first baseman Reese Hoskins, who mm. is had a torn ACL, so he hasn't played this year, coming off a torn ACL. That should depress his market at least a little bit. And then they might be able to play for him. You know, uh, he might also want a, a, a short prove it deal so that he can go out and try and really crush it in free agency. He's 30 years old. So he, if he does a short prove it deal, he's only got one more chance at a big contract. Probably that would be when he's like 31, 32. And so they, he might do something like that. Um, if they end up trading Salvi, I'd be more comfortable with them going out and looking uh, in free agency for a position player. But other than that, I'm thinking mostly reclamation projects and role guys. There you have it. That's our extremely early breakdown of the 2024 roster. Just to recap, our starting pitchers, our locks. Here are all the locks for the entire team so far. Let's count them up. Mike, get out your fingers and toes. Singer, Reagans. I'm going to put Lyles on there because he'll be a lock for the Royals. The bullpen, Hernandez, Cox, Taylor Clark. In the lineup, Salvi. We're going to put him in there because the odds of him getting traded aren't over 50%. Vinny, Witt. Garcia, Fermin, Massey. How many is that? 12. That's 12 locks on a roster that needs 26 players. Okay. <laughs> so that just lets you know where the, where the roster is at this point. Okay. They got a lot they need to see from the Royals over the course of the next month and a half. Maybe some of these guys become locks for us over that month and a half. Maybe not. But at the very least, we know that we have 12 guys we feel pretty confident should be on that roster in 2024, should get playing time and hopefully can be the cornerstone of a more competitive team. The Royals play a full slate of games this week with four at home against the Seattle Mariners and then three up the friendly confines of Wrigley Field against the suddenly competing Chicago Cubs. All day games in that Cubs series, Mike. All Ooh, day games I at Wrigley Field. I'm baseball. very excited. I'm very You're not back at school this week, are you? I am starting Wednesday. So yeah, Darn it, be, cuz I know. <laughs> but I'll be well, in there. All, some of these it's all teacher meeting stuff and I think that Friday well, I think I have a uh I have like a work day, so I'll be watching it. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, all three games. I mean, it'll be Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Boss, I will all not be games. watching it. 
My boss. All, all day games for those, which I love. <laughs> I used to love watching day Cubs baseball. Fantastic. Uh, Mike, uh, give us a, a breakdown of one Joel Penfield's favorite baseball team, the Seattle Mariners. Um, yes. Uh, yeah. Joel, this is Joel's favorite baseball team. Uh, it'll be a very conflicting, <laughs> be a very tough time for him. Um, I'm going to talk to you about, I'm going to talk to the, our audience about, uh, the product of Mark loving day baseball and, and the Cubs being on WGN every day when we were kids later. Um, the Seattle Mariners are 63 and 53. They're a good young team. Third in the AL West behind the Rangers and Astros. So two really tough teams in front of them still, but they're contending for a playoff spot. They're, they're fighting for it. Um, in that first game, and you're going to notice this for the pitching, we have Singer versus Logan Gilbert, a 26-year-old right-hander out of Stetson University. He's got a 3.74 ERA and a 1.02 whip, and that's the running theme through all these guys. Very low whip because they don't walk anybody. Any of these four guys we're facing, they don't walk anybody. Um, Good, because we don't take walks. Yeah, doesn't matter anyway, because we don't take them. Uh, fastball at nine, averages about 95 for Logan Gilbert. Slider, curveball, changeup. He mixes his stuff really well, really limits walks, like I mentioned. His fastball, his four-seamer is actually his weakest pitch, um, but all of them tend to do pretty well. This is a good slate of pitchers, guys. Uh, Jordan Lyles will go in game two against Emerson Hancock, a guy that I really liked coming out of the draft a couple of years ago, uh, maybe just a year ago. Uh, 24-year-old mm. right-handed pitcher out of Georgia. He was in talks. He's a top five, top ten guy. Um, he has only had one start. He just made his debut in Major League Baseball, but he has a 1.8 ERA and a 1.0 whip. Um, fastball in the like 93-mile-per-hour range, four-seamer. A sinker, a slider, and a changeup. He doesn't throw any of his pitches more than 35%. He commands them all pretty well, and they all have good movement. So he's he's an interesting, interesting guy to match up against, especially when it's Jordan Lyles. So uh, the third game to be Alec Marsh against Luis Castillo, 30-year-old right handed pitcher out of the Dominican Republic. They traded for him, I believe, from Minnesota last year, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, 3.14 ERA. I think so. I thought it was the Reds. You're right. It's the Reds. You're right. Okay. Traded from yeah, the Reds. I'm thinking of, uh, Pablo Lopez that the twins got yeah. this year. Um, yes. 3.14 ERA for Castillo. 1.03 whip. Another really low whip. Cause they don't walk anybody fastball at 96 slider sinker change up sinker. Probably the best option to swing at for Royals hitters. It's got the lowest, uh, whiff rate and the highest expected batting average. So maybe try and find that sinker and lay into it. Luis Castillo is a very good pitcher, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, in the third game, it'll be uh, Enhal Zerpa against George Kirby. No, wait, did I miss one? No, fourth game nope. will be Zerpa against George Kirby. 25-year-old righty out of Elon, which I didn't know had a baseball team. 3.11 ERA and a 1.00 whip. He's got what looks like electric stuff. He's got hard stuff. It all kind of goes hard. Fastball at 96, sinker at 95, a slider, a curveball, a split finger, and a changeup. The splitter and the changeup are almost exclusively thrown to lefties. He never throws them to righties. Uh, very average whiff rate, though, for, for the high-velocity stuff. But as we said, he, he is, I believe, if I remember right, he was the one that is in the 99th percentile of walk rate. He doesn't walk anybody. And so, uh, yeah, their, their pitching is, is very solid. Their offense is meh. They're 19th in uh, team OPS. 
led by Julio Rodriguez, who's having a slightly down year from last year, Cal Raleigh, their catcher, and J.P. Crawford. Cal Raleigh with an all-timer nickname. They call him Big Dumper. Is that the guy so, they call Big Dumper? I knew he, they yeah. had a guy they called Big Dumper. I just wasn't sure it was him. Yeah. <laughs> that is an all-timer. Uh, we, we call my son great. that, too, but for a whole nother reason. <laughs> oh, that's gross. Um, <laughs> yeah, great great preview there, Mike. A lot of detail. I loved it. Uh, after the Mariners game, uh, after the Mariners series, they head up to Chicago. Chicago is 61-57. and 57. They're now second in the NL Central, which is not a super strong division. Only like two and a half games behind the Brewers, I think. Um, they're getting a big time bounce back season from Cody Bellinger and he's really driving their offense with a 149 OPS plus also decent seasons from Christopher Morell at 125 OPS plus and Dansby Swanson at great 107 name. OPS plus. That is a great name. And he's also married to just a very, is, it, is he married uh, to that attractive and athletic? Yes. He's okay. well, her name's Swanson now, uh, Mallory yeah. Swanson, the U S women's national team player who is very talented athlete in her own right. Um, and, uh, so yeah, they're doing uh, pretty well offensively, especially lately. Um, the Cubs have been one of the hottest offenses in the last couple of weeks. Uh, the pitching, they got Marcus Stroman, but he's on the 15 day IL right now. They've got Justin Steele having a good year. Uh, they're not getting a good season from their big free agent pickup, Jamison Tyon. He's got an ERA of 5.17 right now. So it's a little hit or miss for them in the rotation. Maybe the Royals can get into a slugfest with them and, and, and beat them, uh, in the friendly confines there. Hopefully uh, they'll get a chance to win, a, I don't know, seven games this series this, this week, Mike. That sound good? I think seven's probably reasonable. We'll end this week's episode like we end every episode with our Just About Outside segment, where we talk about something that's interesting to us outside the world of baseball. Mike, we are running super long, as always. Tell us what's interesting to you outside the world of baseball. It looks like a very average uh, <laughs> subject. Now that I see mine... And, and I see yours. I really wish mine seems kind of insignificant and stupid, but I'm going to say it anyway, because I love it. Uh, Jersey Mike's you guys have heard of the sandwich chain Jersey Mike's. It is so good. They just built one next to my house. Huge mistake. Okay. I'm going to be poor and obese. Okay. Uh, which I already am, but still <laughs> it is so good. And I even have down here. It says number 17. Fun fact for Royals faithful or Rose Weekly weirdos here. Uh, number 17 is Mark's favorite number. It was his number in baseball. It was his number in football. Mark, can you tell our lovely audience why you have that number? Because my favorite baseball player wore the number 17. My favorite Mark, baseball your... player is the first baseman for the Chicago Cubs in the 80s and 90s named Mark Grace. And Mark loved Mark Grace for two reasons. One, every single day you could watch day games of the Cubs on WGN when we were kids and WGN WGN came in on basic cable, which was all we could afford. And so you could watch the Cubs every single day during the summer. And so Mark Grace is playing for them. What's the second reason? Where else did you see Mark Grace? Well, there are three reasons, but I know what reason well, you're talking about. Well, he, his name he is, is Mark. He is, but that's a basic, he, one. his, he is in a movie yep. called take, I think it's called what's the, taking care of business. Taking care of business. Of yep. Yep. Uh, with uh, Jim Belushi and the other actor is much funnier. I can't remember. Uh, his yes, name, his name is um, uh, uh, Groden. Charles Groden. Yes, Charles Groden. He's a very funny actor. Uh, sadly, passed away a couple years ago. But Bart Grace hits a home run in that game. And watching in, it as a child, movie. I was like, yay, in the movie. <laughs> and so I liked him. And then also his name is Mark, but he's also unathletic and yet still good at baseball, which is really appealed to me as a person. So Mark Grace, Mark Me, Marcus Mead. Number seven, get the number 17 at Jersey Mike's. It is a Philly cheesesteak sandwich. It is fantastic. Number 17, Mark Grace, 
Marcus Mead, Jersey Mike's. I love how you're like, and we're bringing this all back to Jersey Mike's. <laughs> <laughs> I love your sandwiches. About the number 17. I would love to. We're coming you, all, you know what's all messed up? Here's a fun Jersey fact Mike. about Jersey Mike's too. And I know we're going long, but I got to tell it. Danny DeVito never does commercials for anybody. Anybody. Okay. He doesn't have to. He's got billions of dollars now. He does them for Jersey Mike's. Do you know why? He's from Jersey. So I know it's something. The that. original Jersey Mike's was just that. Da- yeah. It's just down the road from his house. The original one. He's so he does man. commercials for Jersey Mike's and that's fantastic. It. American. Fantastic. Uh, I'm talking about something that actually matters and something we should all be paying attention to. I know this story pissed me off. So much. Oh, I'm so pissed. If you haven't heard this story. There's a small town in Kansas. I think it's called Marion, Marion, Kansas. It's the name of the county, not the town. Oh, okay. Okay. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> name of the county. In Marion County, I forget the name of the town, but in Marion County, there is a newspaper called the Marion County Record. And there is a lot of hubbub going on about this newspaper because, one, I'm going to try and tell the story linearly. They received a tip about a local, not official, about a local business person who had been uh, charged and convicted or whatever of uh, getting a DUI uh, many years ago. They got a tip about this, right? They did not report on that tip because they were concerned about the source of the tip, that it might be retaliatory or something like that. They didn't actually write a story about it. They did, however, go to a city council meeting where this person was at present and where, you know, they were sort of, she was sort of asking the city council for something. Out of nowhere, they get removed by force from the city council meeting that they were at this, the reporters for this, for this newspaper. Then that business person asks the police to get a search warrant to completely raid this newspaper. So the five police officers of this uh, police force get a search warrant from a judge and raid that newspaper, which now, which now seems to be an illegal search warrant, yes. by the way, it, 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 it very much seems like an illegal search warrant because typically newspapers are not given search warrants. They are given subpoenas. Right. And so this judge still issues the search warrant for some reason. This judge should not have a job in a week, Uh, but they raid the newspaper offices, take all their computers, all their files, all their servers. Right. They take the phones of the people who work at this newspaper, the personal cell phones of these people. Right. They break a finger of one of the ladies who's trying to hold on to her phone. Right. Then they go to the publisher's house. They raid his house. Right. They go to his mother's house. They raid her house. She dies. I think it's the same house, but it might be the same she house. died later she that dies day. As later that day, ninety-eight-year-old woman, <laughs> she dies later that day. These police going in there, Gestapo style, to take take photos of her of her son's bank records and stuff. Right? This, in my mind, is outrageous. This should be a national story right now, and we should be the DOJ, the Department of Justice, should be in that county tomorrow, just throwing dudes in handcuffs because this is insane. I hear so much talk out in the world about like free speech, free speech. And people seem to think it means the ability to say whatever I want without critique. I can say whatever I want. You can't say anything back to me because of free speech. That's not free speech. Okay. Free speech protects you from government intervention in saying things. It's not universal. You can't talk about committing a crime. You can't plan a crime and you get get protected because of free speech. No, you've, you've, you're planning a crime there. That's a conspiracy, right? But it protects you when you want to say something and it protects the media so that they can do their jobs, right? And 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 be our informant, be the, be a cultural informant for us. Tell us what the government is up to. To have a police force behaving in this way, one, it's insane. Two, it is very indicative 
of what policing has become in this country. In especially in small towns, especially in small towns, it is an unchecked Gestapo. It is an unchecked force that just really needs more oversight and massive reform. If you don't believe that police need reform in this country, you are not paying attention because this sort of thing happens all the time in small towns, as Mike pointed out, but it also happens in large places too. What's interesting about when it happens in large places is large cities. You hear the sca- about the big scandals that break out above like like people robbing pension funds or, you know, police shooting people just unnecessarily and all that sort of stuff. You hear about that all the time. You hear less about these small town stories. I'm really glad this Marion story is coming out because honestly, I grew up in a small town. You see the shady shit that police are doing all the time in these small towns. I'm so glad somebody's talking about it. I hope these people lose their jobs and I hope they go to jail for doing this, honestly. Yeah, and that's the thing I I put out there on Twitter as well was growing up in a small town, if you were connected to the police, you were untouchable. And that's that's insane to me. It is I mean, the whole idea of a republic or a democracy, we you know call us a democratic republic or whatever, is rule of law. These people everybody is held accountable to the law. That's not what this was. This is it's insanity and you need a free press and this is definitely not having a free press. Yeah. Heads need to yeah, roll for this. This is insane. It is insane. And, and I, I'm, I'm distinctly thinking of times when police in our town behaved as if no one could ever hold them accountable. Oh, I, I've got, I saw more, I've got many examples in my town than anyone else. Like I, I watch them break the law constantly. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just a, it's a thing that happens, right? You know, and Mike, you know, examples that get really, really dark because you, you know, you, you know, we just know. Okay. Let's just say that. Okay. <laughs> anyway, because I hang out with people <laughs> yeah, I sit in my house alone all the time, but Mike, he's out yeah. in the world talking to the folks. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm anyway, a man of the people. Mike got me riled. Mike, stop getting me riled. Um, Calm anyway, down. Calm down. Anyway, come back and get riled with me next week. We're going to talk about Royals baseball. Maybe we'll get riled about that. Until then, be good to each other. Seven straight wins. Go Royals.